This is Talking Business. I'm joined now by Tracy Angwin, who's the CEO of the Australian Payroll Association. Good day, Tracy. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Not only are you the CEO of this Payroll Association, you started it, did you not? I did. I did about 10 years ago. And why did you do that? Well, it's a really complicated industry, as you know, and I, my background was sort of 16 years working for payroll vendors. And whilst I realised that technology was a part of the solution, it's certainly not all of the solution. And so we needed to help employers, um, you know, find not just the technology solution, but, you know, what was happening in their processes and, and training. Training's a big one because it's really an underinvested part of business, we find. Uh, you said something like, as you know, before. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know anything about payroll, so you need to educate us. Well, maybe you don't, you what, don't um, perhaps follow the media as closely as I do on the topic. <laughs> possibly not. <laughs> no. um, but uh, you're a guru of payroll. You've been, you've been hanging around it for ages. Well, you know I all have... about payroll. Well, it's it's all I know. As I said before, I'd be doing something like digging ditches if it wasn't for payroll. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, like I say, it's it's an area of business that's um, almost like the naughty child. It's, if it doesn't make a noise, it's it's no one sort of goes there looking for what the problems might be. But we also find that that's where the opportunities lie. And one of the things we do a lot of is um, payroll sort of end-to-end payroll reviews and compliance auditing. And there is a lot of media at the moment with a lot of large businesses doing, making big mistakes in terms of underpayments. But with more than 50% of the audits that we do, we also find overpayments. So it's really worthwhile having a look at your payroll function if you don't already. Right. And if there's over, overpayment, do, do the people give the money back? Well, it actually depends. To be honest, best practice that I've seen is that you sort of say to your employees, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The the you know the, the, the bad news is, is we've found we've been overpaying you, but the good news is we, we won't look to recoup that. That's typically how it would work because you're going to really have some issues culturally if you start trying to recoup overpayments that go back years. Um, but obviously there is an implication because employees might otherwise feel they've had a pay cut. Yes, and uh, but if it goes the other way, that is to say there's been underpayment, um, it certainly gets recouped, doesn't it? Oh, my word, absolutely. So the authorities take underpayment very seriously. Um it's very damaging in the media as well because you, you, the media love a big brand story and a you know, ripping off employees is the the typical headline that we see, um, and then you know you're looking at potentially going back a long time and even though the the underpayments might not be material for one employee on one pay period, over a large employee population over many many years it can end up to be a very big number with lots of zeros on the end. Um, yes, indeed. Well, uh, so are your members payroll uh, uh, payroll consultants, or are they the payroll departments of, of companies? They're the payroll departments. So we work with um, everything from sort of single bookkeepers right up through to Coles and Woolworths. Right. And, and what's going on with the restaurant industry? Why are they underpaying people all the time? Well, it's not just the restaurant industry. It's just that they've found a couple of restaurateurs with big names that they could... Um, you know, find some problems with. It's it's all industries. It's uh, retail's um, been, there's been quite a lot of underpayments in retail. But, you know, it is it is a difficult, it is a difficult area. We've done some research recently where 90% of, um, of payroll managers actually felt that the, you know, that they didn't have the skills to be able to interpret the, the payroll legislation. So that's a big problem. And put on top of that, the, um, 
another statistic from our, our 2019 payroll benchmarking survey where only 10% of payroll employees or people who work in the payroll industry have a p- competency-based qualification, you're going to have payroll problems, whether they be underpayments, overpayments, or, or just other associated compliance issues. Do you mean that people can go work for the payroll department of a company just just from somewhere else without doing any um, any uh, study at all? Absolutely. Right. You know, I've been working in this industry 26 years, and I'm yet to find someone who actively chose to be in the payroll industry, to be a payroll professional. So what, what are, the, are there any qualifications at all? I mean, do you have to learn? Because surely if, if you're in the payroll department of a business, you've got to know what's going on. Yeah, a- absolutely. It sounds obvious, right? But it, it doesn't necessarily, be, it's not that obvious in, in practice. There is the minimum requirement that we suggest and recommend to employers is a, a certificate for in payroll administration. Um, if, if you can either hire in people with that qualification or if you can't find them, because remember only 10% of people who work in the payroll industry are to have that qualification, um, we highly recommend employers invest in that qualification for their team. So have the high profile, you know, um, uh, catches of people underpaying their employees led to an increase in inquiries about getting some qualifications? I mean, uh, uh, is the industry starting to think about how it might get its act together? Look, a, a mild increase, but what we've really seen an increase in is an inquiry into our, so our end-to-end payroll reviews and our compliance auditing, because... Um, both executives and non-executive directors are thinking, crikey, if it can happen to, you know, Commonwealth Bank, Wollongong University, Qantas, Rebel Sport and Lush, it can probably happen to us. Yes, indeed. Well, that probably can. I mean, it does feel like um, that franchising and restaurant, I mean, is, it, is that a, um, a false impression that some of those industries are more prevalent uh, or you know more prone to underpay employees than others? Look, they have, they do have complexities that, you know, a a nine to five Monday to Friday company might not have. So restaurants, retail, hospitality, uh, sorry, um, healthcare as well. They've got, you know, potentially 24-7 rosters. They've got a high number of casuals and part-timers, which can also cause complexity. And often if you're a national employer as well, that, that adds real complexity because we've got both federal and state governments that regulate the payroll industry. Yeah, right. So um, I'd, I'd assume, perhaps wrongly, that a lot of the problem was that um, there's just in some industries a lot of pressure, constant pressure on on margins and revenue because people don't want to pay so much. I mean, I think that applies to nursing homes and so on. Um, there's pressure on pricing in that industry and also pressure on pricing in restaurants. Is that a is that a, a reasonable observation or not? Um, look, I think in smaller business, yes, it is. I think we've seen a lot of prosecutions with smaller restaurants, for example, that um, particularly with vulnerable workers are doing the wrong thing. But all the employees that we work with, which are mainly sort of 100 employees and, and up, we've done most of the, the um, names that you would read about in the media where they've had payroll problems. Most of those we have worked in on some capacity. And in every single time, the executives that we work with are absolutely horrified when we find these problems. Yes, of course. Um uh, what about your own background, Tracy? You started off on a dairy farm, I think. You were born. Were you were you born on a dairy farm? You've done some research. I feel like this is your life. Um, this is this is your life, Tracy. <laughs> um, I was. I am a dairy farmer's daughter from New Zealand, in fact. Um, so I guess I, I picked, did pick that up. Yes. <laughs> running Australian Payroll Association, go figure. Um, and New Zealand payroll is also complicated, and that's where I where, where I started as well. So I I did my schooling and and university in New Zealand and. 
like most of my industry colleagues, I fell into the payroll industry uh, with a New Zealand um, firm that was providing payroll software, and they eventually they then moved me to Australia, where I've worked for a couple of um, some of the, the sort of the, the larger payroll companies. So really spent a lot of time really getting to understand employers and what their problems were around payroll from a technology po- point of view. But as I said, technology is only part of the solution. But is is technology starting to transform payroll uh, or not? Um, look, I think what it's transforming is the employee experience. The actual payroll is really the same as what it has been for the last twenty six years that I've been involved in this industry. There's we, we're getting um, we're be, being able to deliver uh, information to employees and managers on a mobile now, and also. Um, you know, that, that goes for, for rostering as well. And we're using things like um, facial recognition technology. But essentially, facial recognition technology is just the upgraded version of the old-fashioned Bundy clock. The actual payroll process remains the same, but the employees are far more engaged with payroll. So they're more likely to, you know, check their super fund or make sure that they are being paid correctly and they can call fair work. There's a lot. It's a lot easier now for employees to find out if they are being paid incorrectly than it used to be. Right. Um, just back to you. Um, you. You said that I've been doing my research. Well, in fact, I've uh, you know I've just got a little briefing sheet here from you that says you're a part-time manager of Luke from The Voice. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, who's who's Luke? Luke, Luke Anthony um, is uh, was a, a voice contestant. Um, a couple of years ago now, he's a, a fantastic Australian uh, singer and he's also the, my son also sings, so he's also a, a voice coach of my son. So, um, And he was on uh, Boy George's team and uh, a couple of years ago uh, I had had uh, had dinner with Boy George, so that's my sort of claim to fame there. But, um, well, just you, just you and Boy. <laughs> and, and Luke. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty interesting. That's for a whole other conversation. <laughs> Come on, tell us what was it like. <laughs> Well, I mean, he was a um, very different to what I thought, actually. Very modest, considered uh, man, which is not necessarily what you'd see on The Voice. No, indeed, and uh, it certainly wouldn't be. Um, but he's uh, it's just showbiz, isn't it? Oh, it is, exactly. But, I mean, it's like everything, isn't it? You can... Um, you know, what, what what you actually see and what you are are really for the, for the viewer, if you like. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's been great talking to you, Tracy. I appreciate it. Thanks. No trouble at all. I've been talking to Tracy Angwin, who's the CEO of Australian Payroll Association.